together. So let's pray for his help. Our Father, we thank you that we have an open Bible tonight. Uh, it's in our own language. And this is such an immense privilege. We praise you for it, Lord. We thank you for those who brought us this privilege, as it were, the blood of their own lives. Thank you for William Tyndale and John Wycliffe and many like them, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that we have the freedom to read this tonight and declare these truths. And we pray, therefore, that you would, Lord, since you've given us all these blessings, not deny us your spirit in power tonight, but add that to the blessing as well, Lord, that we may take the word to our hearts and revel in it and glory in our God. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we're in Isaiah, you might have guessed I'm in Isaiah in my quiet times and uh, having a wonderful time. Some of these chapters in my quiet times I read them and I think the next day, you know what, I'm going to read that one again and so it's taken me forever to get through. Uh, It's such a wonderful book and tonight we're just looking at two uh, little verses from Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 25 to 26. This is what the scripture says, or what God said through the prophet Isaiah. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Praise the Lord. Uh, We live in a day and age where all the young people are into taking selfies, aren't they? But uh, I think this has to be the greatest selfie ever taken. It is uh, the uh, Discovery Rover uh, uh, machine. It was about the size of a car and it's on the planet Mars. And NASA managed to put uh, an extending selfie arm on it so it could hold back a camera and take a photograph of itself. And what they've done is they've edited out the arm so you can't see where the arm is. Although I think you can just about make out that it's somewhere there. Uh, And they got a photograph of the rover taking itself. And uh, that is probably the most unrepeatable selfie you're ever going to find anywhere. And everybody's been amazed at, at that uh, photograph because of, uh, of the technology behind it. But what's even more amazing than the technology is the planet, isn't it? And this is, this is where God's handiwork is seen. You know, it's a wonderful thing. People love to look at space and they love to look at the stars. This guy, Peter Shah, he's a, 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 an amateur astronomer and he just has a, a Uh, I say cheap, I mean these instruments are not cheap, but he just has a cheap uh, telescope. Nothing like, of course, the Hubble Space Telescope or anything. Yet he has been working from his shed in his garden and he has been taking photos that are almost as good as some of our top astronomers. And uh, he's got photos of nebula way out in space, the Andromeda uh, galaxy, and... uh, uh, that is 
uh, a crest, I can't remember what they call it, I think it's a, a, a crest, a nebula. It's just amazing what he's taken from his back garden on his little uh, telescope, small uh, by comparison. And people love to look at the stars, don't they? You know, man loves to look up at the night sky. And when he goes for a walk in the countryside, sometimes after the evening service, I go for a walk up the road up to Moncton Field and it's nice and clear. There's no lights. And you look up at the night sky and it's, it's amazing to see the stars. And people have always been fascinated by it. One of the things that was discovered just a, a few years ago off the coast of Greece was this strange contraption, uh, which is called the Antikythera Mechanism. Some sponge divers, uh, people who dive down to get sponges off the seafloor, they found this on some sunken treasure with uh, a a sunken ship vessel, and they brought it up, and it was all sort of like corroded to a rock. And they thought, well, what is this? We know it's old. But it's only now, since we have X-ray technology, that we've been able to see the parts of it separated and see what it is. And it was found in 1902, but today jaws are dropping at what it is. Because this is 200 years before Christ, and yet it is one of the most complex mechanisms for astronomy uh, ever discovered and what they're amazed at is that it was uh, a part of a machine that looked like this and they're saying this is phenomenal we're talking cogs with millimeter sized wheels cogs turning cogs and things like this Uh, and it was covered in 2000 greek uh, figures and and, um, characters and it even had an instruction manual printed on the back. This is what they can see now behind the layers of the, of the bronze uh, with the x-ray machine. And it was a machine for tracing the stars. It's, it's incredible. It could predict the eclipses for the years ahead. It could predict the patterns of the moon uh, and the patterns of the, uh, of the stars and the positions of the stars. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. And by the way, that's a great argument against evolution that says, you know, man's been a a thicko and now he's developing into a brain. He's always been a brain. He was made in the image of God. And somebody who could make something like that wasn't an idiot. And uh, it's one of the great proofs. But it's a proof as well of people's fascination with the skies. And Isaiah the prophet uses this to preach the truth about our God. And he talks in Isaiah 40 about the incomparableness of the God we serve. You see, this part of Isaiah is, from chapter 40 on, what we call the book of comfort or the book of the, of the servant. And it's the part of Isaiah which turns to the, uh, away from the theme of judgment more towards the theme of salvation more. And it's uh, a, a part of the Bible which is patterning itself very much along the same lines as the New Testament. And as the exiles are going away into captivity, Isaiah knows that they're going to be faced with false religion. In fact, Babylon was one of the centers of astronomy. And today, actually, we have found uh, archaeological remains of Babylonian astronomy going back to 750 BC, which was so accurate, it wasn't until the 18th century we were even able to compare with it. (laughs) Think of that. 
They were so into the stars and so into space. But Isaiah uses that and he knows that they're going to hear about this. And he says, now when you go into captivity, remember all these false gods. You want to know who's the great God? It's the God who made the stars. They all worship the stars. They all worship uh, idols and things like this. But it's the Lord who made the stars. And he is the incomparable God. This whole chapter is about how God is incomparable to uh, the idols and so on. And this is what he says in verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy God. The Holy One. In other words, there's no one like the Lord. Don't go thinking that the Lord is like the Babylonian gods. He's not. He is the one who made the heavens. Uh, Somebody has pointed out that actually this passage could be summed up using another text, which is Psalm 96 and verse 5, which says, For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. (laughs) And that's in a nutshell what he's saying. And he uses the heavens Uh, to talk about the greatness of our God. And I just want to look at this tonight because I think this will be a blessing to us to see again how great is the God we who know the Lord Jesus as our saviour serve. I want to see three things about him tonight. See that the heavens point out his powerful creation, his personal care and his preserving control. Those are the three things in verse 26 especially. Let's have a look at these three things. First of all, the heavens speak of his powerful creation. Verse 26 says, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. One night, Napoleon Bonaparte was walking among his men and uh, as they were uh, in their camps and he was listening to conversations as he was walking around the camp. And he overheard a group of, of, of men around a campfire talking about, is the, about the existence of God. And one of them, who was a, a very prolific uh, atheist, was really holding court and banging on about how all this is proof there's no God and this is proof there's no God. And Napoleon stood and listened for a little bit. And then he just said, very well, very well. But who made all these? And he got the message of Isaiah here. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. The the heavens are testimony to our God and his powerful creation. And they speak of God and of the one who made it. The phrase lift up your eyes is a very interesting phrase because that's a phrase that had been used in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 4, warning against idol worship and against lifting up your eyes to worship the sun. But he's not saying here lift up your eyes to worship the sun, but to look at creation and see the creator, which is what we should always see when we look at the heavens. Psalm 19, of course, tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans chapter 1 speaks of the fact that creation leaves man without excuse with the existence of God. And this is something to this day that we need to really hold on to and hold up. I was reading a newspaper article going back a few years and uh, I got it somewhere where Stephen Hawkins says that 
there was no creator, that the universe spontaneously came into being. But you know what? You and I know that's rubbish. It doesn't happen like that. Nothing spontaneously comes into being. If I quote John Blanchard in his book on evolution, he said this, as everything that had a beginning must have a cause greater than itself, and the universe does have a beginning, there's no steady state theory as uh, was once put forward, even evolutionists reject that. Since the universe does have a beginning, it must have had a transcendent, eternal, and self-existent cause. In other words, God made everything. And this is one of the things that the heavens declare. They point out the creation of God. And they show the power of God in creation. If you look at the different things in the heavens, I mean, take this simple diagram. Okay, I say simple. This is from Stuart Burgess's book uh, on the stars. And uh, it shows three things. The top circle shows our solar system. You know, you've got the uh, Earth and you've got the moon, and you've got the sun, and you've got Venus, and Neptune, and all the other planets. That's our solar system. That sits inside the second circle, which is the Milky Way galaxy. And that sits inside the third circle, which is the universe. Just think of the size of the universe, and all the stars, and all the planets. Think of what God has made and how amazing his creation is. Let me show you uh, another picture. We think our star is pretty amazing and we're very grateful for the sun. But do you know what? Our sun is very small. Very small. It may be massive compared to Earth, but compared to other suns, it's small. Here's an enlargement in this box And in that box is a little yellow dot where my pointer is. That little pointer is the sun in comparison to another sun by the name of uh, Canis Majoris. That's 500,000 times bigger than our sun. And even that isn't the biggest sun we know of. We know of another sun which is nearly one million times bigger and brighter. Think of the being that can make that. (laughs) It's just phenomenal, isn't it? It's just staggering to think of the power of God in creation. Or take a look at this. This is the biggest known physical object in the universe. It's called the Great Wall of Galaxies. Now, you remember what I told you? Earth is in a solar system that's in a little dot on the spiral of the Milky Way galaxy in the universe. Well, this is a cluster of galaxies, and it's called the Great Wall of Galaxies. It's reckoned, and this is by no means certain, but it's reckoned to be 500 million light years long, 200 million light years wide, and 15 million light years thick. That is staggering, isn't it? That is staggering. It's beyond comprehension. And yet our God made that. How powerful is his creation? How he, he, he is as a creator. And we need to remember this. You know, we sometimes sing that song that says, hands that flung stars into space. But I want to tell you something. God didn't use his hands. He's so powerful, he just used his breath. (laughs) 
It's amazing, isn't it? Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. I don't know about you, but for me, that makes me say, how great is our God? And how wonderful and powerful he is. So let's see tonight from this first point here in uh, Isaiah 40, verse 26. His powerful creation and be reminded of the greatness of our God. And let's be reminded that our lives are in the hands of one who is infinitely powerful, the living God. Secondly, we see here in in, uh, this passage about the heavens and the God of the heavens is his personal care. In verse 26, it goes on and it says, Who brings out their host by number and calls them all by name. Weather balloons are all in the news, aren't they? (laughs) Have you been following this about the Chinese weather balloon in uh, uh, America? And the one down in Latin America, and there was reports of one up in Canada as well. Whether that's turning out to be the same one that blew into Montana or not, I'm not sure. But uh, it's been all in the news. But did you know, uh, not very long ago, we had our own weather balloon sent up from this part of the company. A very unique one. And it was made and sent into orbit by the West Country Farmhouse Cheesemakers Association, who wanted to launch the first piece of cheese into space. Unfortunately, it got 19 miles up, the balloon burst, and it came down. And as someone said, that put the company into meltdown. It doesn't get better than that, does it? So that's how good man is at putting things in space sometimes. But you know, when it comes to the heavens, and you think of all those planets, all those planets, what Isaiah says here is staggering. He brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. His power is to draw them out. The imagery used here and all the commentators, Matthew, Henry, Elcott and all of them, point to the fact that this is like military terminology being used here of a general who's calling out the ranks of his soldiers. You know, they're all coming out on parade and they're all lining up and the amazing thing is, he is the, 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 the general in charge who knows the name of every single soldier on his drill. It's amazing. He brings them all out. And that's his power and ability to do so. But what strikes us as we're looking at this is the personal nature of God's care, even for these planets. It says he brings out their host By number. By number. He knows exactly the numbers of those planets. You know, they reckon that in the land of Israel, we've got a light flicking at the back there. I don't know if someone could just uh, touch the light switch just to turn it off, just so it isn't flashing. Otherwise, that's going to really distract me. Thank you. They reckon that from the land of Israel, uh, in Bible times, you could see 5,000 stars from the night in the night sky uh, by the unaided uh, eye without a telescope of course however the numbers of the stars is amazing do you know in our own milky way galaxy there are 400 billion stars by estimate and that's just in our galaxy 
the number of stars estimated, and I underline that word, in the whole universe is 10 billion trillions. It's just beyond comprehension. And yet God calls them all out by number. And he knows them all by number. But he knows them all by name as well. And here's another fascinating thing. God has named all the stars. You know, in the Bible, naming something is a sign of authority. This is why God gave Adam the job of naming the animals. It was a way of saying, Adam, you're, you're in charge in the Garden of Eden here. I don't want you to think you're another animal. You're above the animals. And to prove that, I'm going to give you the job of naming the animals. And so that authority was given to him. That's why when we have children, we give them our names. But when Jesus Jesus was born, it wasn't given to Joseph and Mary to choose his name. His name was given to them because they weren't going to have that type of authority over the Son of God. Well, God calls all the stars by name. We have many of their names in Scripture. In the book of Amos and in the book of Job, we read of Orion and Pleiades. Uh, We read in the book of Acts about Castor and Pollux. And uh, there are other stars named and some of the constellations. And of course, most of them we don't know, but God does. And he knows all of their stars by name. It's a phenomenal thing. You know, if it was us, we'd be running out of names. Do you know in Denmark, half the people in Denmark have just 14 surnames. They're mostly either called Hansen or Jensen. I guess after a while you just start running out of names. (laughs) But God never ran out of names and he gave a name to every one of those stars in the universe. It's staggering, isn't it? And it speaks of their personal care. Now that would be amazing enough. But Isaiah isn't saying this so we go, wow, God cares for the stars. He's saying that so we realize God cares for us. God cares for us. This came home to me when I was reading uh, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' commentary on Romans. I'd made a a note of the fact that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher at Westminster Chapel, he used to preach on the book of Romans and work his way through a verse at a time. And I read some of his books and he commented on this verse And he said, do you realize what's really happening here is God is making a reference to something that has happened already in history. Now, you may say to me, yes, John, I know, because this is already quoted in the book of Psalms. And you're right. Psalm 147, verse four, he counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is way back in the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is having a sleepless night. And he's wondering, like David this morning, how long, Lord, how long? He's wondering when God is going to fulfill his promise to give him an heir, to give him a son. And God just adds to the promise. He doesn't give him the son, but he adds to the promise. And in verse 5 of Genesis 15, it says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. God was saying to Abraham, You see all those stars up there that you can't number? That's how many descendants you're going to have. And the book of Romans makes it clear that God wasn't just talking about the physical bloodline 
of Israel. That would be many. But the spiritual people of God who trust in Jesus Christ and are of the faith of Abraham, we are also among that number. And he's saying that just as God knows all those stars, so he knows all those people who are going to be believers and resting their faith on the God of Abraham. And he calls them out by name. Do you see the picture here? I'd never seen it before, but it's fantastic. Just as God calls out the stars, he calls us in faith to Christ. What did the Lord Jesus Christ say in John chapter 10? I know my sheep and they follow me. I I call them by name. They come and follow me. And God draws each one personally to himself. It's just so wonderful, isn't it? And not only does he then call them to himself, but then he cares for them intimately and personally. Read Luke 12, verses 6 to 7, when you get home. You'll find out that God knows how many hairs there are on our heads. That's how deeply personal he knows about us. He knows not only how many stars in the universe, but how many hairs on our, ne- on our heads. And that's not just data collecting. That's care. That's care. There's a difference. We had a beautiful story some years ago about a man who was a Christian. He was having a very stressful time in his life. And uh, he was rushing out to work. And he got out to work. He got out to the car and realised he'd left his keys in the house for the car. So he had to go back into the house to get the keys. Got back out to the car. Realised he'd left his lunch back in the car house. So he went back in. Went back out to the car. Got his keys. Got his lunch. Got back in there. Turned his key in the car. Mm, mm, mm. battery was flat and he just stopped and prayed and said God what are you showing me anyway he couldn't go to work he was going to go inside and phone and as he was going in he went in up to the house and as he went in there was a drain pipe by the front door with a storm gutter at the bottom and as he was about to go in the front door he noticed a little baby sparrow And the little baby sparrow had been making its nest up in the gutter. And when the rain had come, it had got swished down the the gutter and was about to go down the storm drain. And this man bent down, picked up this little bird and rescued it. And when he did so, it was as if he could hear God saying, do you remember, he cares for the sparrow, he cares for you. God will say, I know your stress, I know what you're going through, and I care for you personally. What a wonderful God we have, and how great it is when we see his care in the creation and know it's true for us personally if we know Jesus Christ as our saviour. I praise God for that. And then thirdly, we see here his preserving Control, Because the, the, the verses here in Isaiah finish by saying this. By, his, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. This is an amazing thing because one of the things we know about the planets is planets move. Do you know the, the, the word planet literally means a wanderer? 
And I thought about that because the Bible does talk about wandering stars in the book of Jude and and book of 2 Peter. But there are some planets that that are moving constantly. And it's a fascinating thing. And yet they never get lost. God looks after them and he knows exactly where they are. They never go crashing in to something they shouldn't be. They might get drawn into the orbit of another planet. But by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. And that's something you're going to have to take on faith, by the way, because you can't see the whole universe. But you're going to have to trust it based on the word of God, that it's true. And it is. By God's power and his strength, not one planet is missing. And when he calls them out at night, they're there. Now, this is an amazing thing. It speaks about his preserving control. He is in control, preserving the whole of creation. Now the point is again this. Not just that God cares for the planets. But that God cares for us. And in this very book of Isaiah. This was something God had said about the people of Israel. Back in chapter 34 and verse 16. The word of God said this. Chapter 34 verse 16. Search from the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these, meaning the children of Israel, shall fail. Not one shall lack her mate, for my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast his lot for them, and his hand has divided among the measuring line. They shall possess it forever. And the point is this, not one of these shall fail, verse 16, for he has commanded it. You see, God is saying, I won't lose a single one of my children. I'll preserve them all. In the same way I preserve the planets, I'm going to preserve each one of my children. And that's a a precious verse to realise, isn't it? That God is able to save and keep. I thank God for that because I would be lost tonight. That was a precious truth for Mary Magdalene. I've said this before. Why was Mary Magdalene the first one at the tomb? Why was she the one who hung around the tomb when everybody left? The tomb of Jesus. Because Mary Magdalene had been in the grip of seven devils. And Jesus had set her free. What was going to happen now Jesus had died? Was she going to go back into the clutches of the devil? No. The Lord was risen. And he was still keeping her. Still preserving her. Still looking after her. It's just so amazing. And when you trust your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, he's not only able to save you, he's able to keep you. And not one, by the strength of his power, shall be missing on that great day. I wonder if you know what that is. That is the Teikuku Bank Vault from Hiroshima in Japan. It was less than 100 yards away from the central from the epicenter of the nuclear bomb that was dropped there in World War II. And yet the amazing thing is, though the bank was destroyed, the vault and everything in it was still perfectly safe. I tell you what, that's a good advert for a bank, isn't it? <laughs> Trust us with your stuff. Uh, we're bomb-proof, even nuclear bombs. What an advert. Well, I want to tell you, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're even safer than that. Because he's able to preserve like he preserves the heavens.
So I hope tonight will help you to see the greatness of the God of creation who we serve. He's incomparable. We see that in his power. We see that in his personal care. And we see that in his preserving. And I hope tonight as we go home, you'll be encouraged to say, this God is my God. Glory to his name.